It may seem like artificial intelligence is getting better at, well, sounding human. But a new study suggests it's not that AI is getting smarter. Our intuition for sussing out AI is just not keeping pace with its progress. Researchers found that people were more easily fooled into believing an AI chatbot was human when it talked about its past experiences and family. This is Pulse Check. I'm Ruth Reader. Former President Trump's CDC director, Robert Redfield, says his former colleague, Anthony Fauci, shut down debate on COVID's origin. Redfield told a congressional subcommittee Wednesday that Fauci, as well as former National Institutes of Health director Francis Collins, froze him out of discussions on possible COVID origins. The accusation came during a politically charged hearing of the House Oversight and Accountability Subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic. Fauci was not at the hearing, but dismissed Redfield's accusation as completely untrue. Meanwhile, Collins has previously said he agrees with Fauci's view that the virus likely came from nature, but that a lab leak was possible. And six Democratic senators, led by Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, wrote to Walgreens on Tuesday requesting answers on whether and where the company will dispense abortion pills. The letter follows Politico's story that the nation's second biggest pharmacy chain will not sell the pills in any of the 20-plus states where Republican attorneys general have threatened the company with legal action, including in some states with no bans on the pills currently in effect. And... It's budget week. President Joe Biden is set to unveil his fiscal 2024 budget to Congress today. I called up Adam Cancrin to chat about the health care proposals in it. It is a big day, mainly because we're going to see, you know, probably for the first time in Biden's presidency, what his other health care priorities are beyond the battle with the pandemic. If you remember the last couple budgets, a lot of the focus was on, you know, how do we deal with COVID from both a public health standpoint and from an economic revival standpoint. This time around, we're expecting a lot of the focus to be more on his other priorities, drug prices, expanding coverage, making Medicare uh, more solvent for the next generation. A lot of the things that he has alluded to, right, that were big deals during the campaign, but maybe have not gotten as much mainstream attention over the last couple of years as they will going forward. That makes it kind of exciting. It feels like we're kind of getting back to politics as usual. <laughs> it really is a bit new. The, the one caveat being that with a divided Congress, almost none of it can happen over the next couple of years. But hey, it's new stuff for us to focus on. It's a little bit exciting in that way. One element of the budget that the White House seemed to want a lot of attention on, they released it early on a fact sheet on Tuesday, is this tax increase to bolster Medicare. Can you talk at all about that? Absolutely. So this is interesting, both from a policy and, and political sense. The, at base level, the idea from the president is extend Medicare solvency by another 25 years. And he would do that through a couple ways. One, by uh, raising revenues. So expanding a net investment tax and expanding a, a health insurance tax and essentially creating more revenue that could then be put right into the Medicare program and shore up its finances. The other part, and this is a little bit more vague, would be to expand the drug negotiation for Medicare that was passed back as part of the Inflation Reduction Act last year. Do that negotiation for more drugs and also do it faster. And if you remember back last year, there was this was a big deal because this is the first time Medicare has ever been able to directly negotiate on drugs. But it's only going to be a very, very small number and it's not going to be it for another few years. So Biden's idea is by moving up that date and then also expanding the universe of negotiation, you can create a lot more savings in that Medicare program. It's about $200 billion. 
And that would be, again, put right into Medicare, into the program to help shore up its finances. Aside from these two sort of big policy ideas, were there any surprises or any surprises we might expect? I think on the healthcare angle, what we're going to see is a big focus on, you know, his vision for one, expanding coverage uh, and two, making things more affordable in part because this is a kind of core democratic beliefs, right? But also in part because this is going to be a big contrast that Biden's trying to draw with House Republicans who are going to release their own budget, that the anticipation is is going to rely on a lot of cuts, a lot of reining in spending in order to get toward their kind of ideal spending and deficit reduction targets. So on the White House's side, what I think we should expect is a lot of focus on expanding the Medicaid program, making sure that there are options for people in states that have not expanded Medicaid still. There's still a handful of of red states that have not done that. Secondly, in order to kind of respond to both what's happened on the abortion rights and also maternal care overall, one of the things that I think we can expect is to see a proposal of mandatory postpartum coverage through the Medicare program for about a year beyond the birth of a child. So those are kind of two big things. The other thing that we've heard from the president before that I think we're going to hear a re-up on is making the expanded Affordable Care Act subsidies that were put in place permanent. If you remember during the Inflation Reduction Act, that program, those subsidies were extended for another few years. The idea here now is to just make them permanent so we don't have to worry about a cliff coming later where people suddenly see their health insurance premiums shoot up. So interesting. But the caveat, as you said earlier, is that Republicans are essentially saying that this budget is dead on arrival. There may not be a lot of collaboration here or bipartisan agreement. So can you talk through that a little bit? Is there any room at all for agreement here? Or does this feel sort of like these are the policy agendas that the White House is putting out? They're very nice but (laughs) maybe don't have much of a chance. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we see almost every year, right? Especially when the opposing party, you know, has a majority in in, in part of all of Congress. You know, the White House puts out its budget. It's largely a wish list of things that they would love to do if, you know, they were dictators. And then the opposing party comes out and says, there's no way we're going to do any of this. We have ideas that are diametrically opposed and things don't really go much further than that. You know, I think the framing that you should kind of view this budget is a kind of early draft of Biden's 2024 campaign platform, right? These are things that he's putting out as markers to say, this is where we've come in my first couple years. This is where I want to go in my next couple years. And what we should expect is that these will be pillars of an expected 2024 camp when he's expected to run for re-election. Things that the administration believes are very popular, like expanding the Affordable Care Act, shoring up Medicaid, lowering people's drug prices. These are the kinds of things that when Biden talks about wanting to lower consumer costs and just kind of give people, quote, a little bit more breathing room, these are the the things that really underpin that vision. And I guess just as a final question, you know, is there anything that we didn't talk about that also showed up here in this budget? Yeah, I think we should also expect on the public health end, even if there's not as much conversation about COVID, right, even if there's not a massive amount of new funding that they're seeking there, to see pushes elsewhere on the public health end to really try to get at some of these kind of persistent issues. Hepatitis C is one uh, issue that we're expecting there to be a proposal 
uh, to kind of really try and go and tackle that problem in a substantive way. And so I don't think public health here is just going to kind of fall off a cliff. If there, if you're talking about one area where a lot of times there is bipartisan agreement, it's in funding places like the National Institutes of Health, in funding research to diseases that we've been trying to solve for generations. Those are the areas where there's maybe a little bit more realism in terms of actually getting some level of, of funding increases in bipartisan agreement, even if the rest is just kind of made for, for political fighting. Well, thank you so much for joining me and walking me through this. Anytime. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese and Afra Abdullah are our producers. Raghu Manavalan is our editor. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Amen is the executive producer of Audio at Politico. I'm Ruth Reeder. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening. <laughs>